This scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 14th chapter. And as you heard in the children's message, the context for this is that this comes right immediately following the feeding of the 5,000. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Here ends the reading. It's unpredictable. It's anxiety-producing. It's sometimes unfathomable. It goes where it wants to. It gives life and creates destruction. It's water. In the Bible, and for ancient peoples, the sea, the oceans, bodies of water were mostly seen as places of great peril. Yes, for those fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, it was a place where they made their living. It was also a place where they got drinking water often. But throughout Scripture, you see it more as a place of destruction, more as a thing to fear than something to embrace. In the beginning... Right? It says God's spirit moved over the watery chaos to create life. That God brings order to the water. For ancient peoples, they imagined that there were great animals in the deep, the Leviathan and, and other scary things, and that you know, sometimes evil spirits resided under the water because they couldn't see that far. And so in this story, when you hear about the, them being on the water and the storm coming, it brings to mind, or would have brought to mind, especially for those early readers and early hearers of the story, would have brought to mind all the fear and anxiety known to come around water. And what happens when the water gets stirred up by a storm, or what we don't know lies beneath. And so it makes sense that the disciples are afraid. They're in the midst of a storm. They're far 
from the land that says the boat is being battered by the waves. The wind is against them. And knowing the Sea of Galilee, I'm just, I, sometimes I just wonder, well, why didn't they go back? Why didn't they just let the wind push them back? I, I don't know. Maybe Jesus said, don't come back here. I, you know, doubtful, but who knows what they were thinking at that time. They, maybe they were closer to the shore than what it really realizes, and they didn't want to go back. And then Jesus comes walking to them. He'd gone up on the mountain to pray after he dismissed the crowds, as you heard. And, and it's this really sweet moment. I, it feels like to me he's dismissing them. And it's like he commanded the disciples to get the heck out of there. And then he's dismissing the crowd very gently, it feels like. And then he goes to pray by himself. And mountains are often seen, especially in, in biblical literature, as a place where heaven and earth meet. And so when Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray, there's this, there's this metaphor of him communing with God where heaven and earth meet. But now he's coming to them and he's walking toward them on the sea and the disciples see him and of course they're like, well, I, what is going on here? It's, it's got to be a ghost. Again, they're imagining evil spirits. They're imagining, they're imagining bad things about to happen and they cry out in fear. They cry out in fear. And as one commentator noted here, it's oftentimes when we're afraid, when we're living in fear, that we miss Jesus. We miss him being present in the midst of the storms, in, in the midst of our fear, coming to us in those times. Because we don't know what to make of what's happening and we're afraid. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. It's so interesting here. I'd love to know if this comes out of the King James Version because it just sounds so King Jamesy, right? Take heart, it is I. Very highfalutin sort of English language. Beautiful. The, the Greek here for it is I is ego a me, which is kind of a fun you know, ego, my ego sort of, sort of thing. We used to make a joke about it when I studied Greek. But ego, a me, which is the translation, the Greek translation of the Hebrew that God uses when God identifies God's self to Moses in the burning bush. I am. I am. That's the direct translation for ego, a me. I am. And so it's fascinating here to make that correlation. Jesus says, take heart, I am. Don't be afraid. And then this very strange thing happens, right? You would, I mean, most of us, I think, would be like, oh, cool, Jesus is here, awesome. Let's get him in a boat. <laughs> we, want, we want him to be with us, you know? I mean, and, and maybe you sort of forget that he's, whatever's happening with this walking on the water thing. And, but Peter then says, well, if, it's, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Come. So Peter gets out of the boat, he starts walking on the water, starts coming toward Jesus, and when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Isn't it sometimes just like us? Or all just like me. When things are going well, when things are going fine, when I'm, when I'm tooling along, you know, I'm often not necessarily asking for 
for God's presence or asking for God's help, even though in this situation, Jesus is right there. And maybe Peter's looking right at him and, and all that sort of thing. But he gets knocked off a little bit by the wind and, and all of a sudden he starts to sink and he's like, oh, Lord, save me. Like how often out of our fear or out of our situations that come at us that are more difficult than just the usual ordinary things, that that's when, that's when we develop a prayer life. That's when we develop and reach out to God in new and different ways. But Jesus immediately reaches out his hand and catches him and saves him. And then, of course, this famous phrase, you of little faith, why, why did you doubt? And again, as I said in the children's message, I think that many people have read this as Peter needed a bigger faith. Peter needed to keep his eyes on Jesus and everything would have just worked out fine and, and, and all this sort of thing. But two things. One, Peter's the only one who steps out of the boat. Now, Jesus only asked him, but Peter's the only one who was sort of brash enough to be like, okay, call me, to, call me out there and I'll go. How many of us would have gotten out of the boat? And then two, you have little faith. You have little faith. I love, I'm going to repeat this probably over and over and over again from Rolf Jacobson. Next to nothing is God's favorite thing to work with. Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, if you have little faith, you can do amazing things. And Jesus says, also adding on to that later, you are going to do more amazing things than I have done. Even though that's hard for us to fathom, you of little faith can move mountains. Can move mountains. But to walk on the water, you have to get out of the boat, to quote another famous pastor's sermon title. If you want to walk on the water, you have to get out of the boat. And that doesn't mean doing foolish things, necessarily. It doesn't mean taking risks that are completely out of the realm of making any sense whatsoever. But it does mean when Jesus is calling you, when Jesus is calling us, that we seek to follow where he's leading, knowing that Jesus, even when the storms come up and when we're afraid, Jesus does not abandon us. Jesus comes to us. Jesus is present to us. And we believe that Jesus is present to us in, in all times and places if we are but looking for Jesus. And oftentimes where we see Jesus is in people that don't necessarily look like us. Jesus shows up in places where we least expect Jesus to be sometimes. Or in the people that we least expect Jesus to show up in the form of. Part of loving our neighbors as we love ourselves and loving God is beginning to see where God is in the midst of all people. And where is it that we are being called to step out in faith? And so as you heard last week, we have taken a step out of the boat. Together, we decided to move forward with a capital campaign in the midst of a pandemic. We will conduct an almost completely virtual 
capital campaign, which I don't know, I've got to talk to some folks, I don't know that that's ever been done before. But we believed and our campaign leadership believed so strongly that God was calling us for such a time as this to make it so that we can live stream from here on out and make it an even better experience. So, and then also so that when we are able to worship back together in person, the equipment isn't just in the way all the time. And two, to make it so that we pay off the debt that we have incurred to build this beautiful space, to redo this beautiful space, so that we can continue to be in mission partnership with our ministry partners to help support them if we need to financially as we move forward. Having debt keeps us from doing that. And then the third part of the project is, again, as people hopefully are able, we're able to come back together in worship, we, we want to refurb these two bathrooms that are right here that so many of you have wanted us to do for so long. But it's not just about the space, it's about taking steps in faith, getting out of the boat. One person in a, in a podcast in the, over the past month or so talked about planting a tree. There, there are famous lines from many, many people that say, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, 30 years ago. Well, if you have, didn't do that, when's the best time to plant a tree? Now. And planting a tree means you're making a commitment to something. You're, you're putting down roots. You're saying, here we stand. We're going to move forward. We're going to take steps. We're going to do this. And so we have taken a step. We have planted the tree here. We started doing that 130 years ago. And about three and a half years ago, we moved forward with this reimagined campaign. It was a journey of faith and it continues to be a journey of faith to move forward, to call us forward out onto the water, out maybe into the storms of life in order to fulfill what we believe Christ wants us to do and how Christ is calling us to use our little faith to move mountains, to reach new people, to help those who are addicted get and stay clean and be reunited with families, to help children become educated, to help immigrants find and make a life right here in our city and in our country, to do more than that, to build up our community of faith in such a way that people see it as a strong faith, as a faith that when faced with things that are scary and that make us fearful, that we look for where Jesus is, that our fear doesn't keep us from seeing him and where he's calling us in this time and this place. And finally, I want you to remember this. Jesus does not abandon us when he sends us out or calls us out. Jesus called Peter out because Jesus had faith in Peter. Jesus calls you out and me out and us out because Jesus has faith in the abundant life that he's inviting us into and in the fact that our little faith can move mountains when we look for Jesus. We've stepped out of the boat. It's time to keep on walking. Amen.